Hello, I'm Michael Clapoff. And I'm Jeremy Eden. And I have never seen Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. You're listening to Franchise First Timers exclusively on the 90 Under 90 Patreon. one going in you were you were you were frightened of this one i wasn't frightened i was just like i have a serious aversion like okay like i think more than most people if our listeners want to learn something about me i think more than most people i have a serious aversion to being bored like for any reason and from everything i've heard about this movie i was like I, this is going to be, I'm just going to have to sit there and be bored. Cause that's what right. I was anticipating. Yeah. We'll get into what I actually felt about it at the end. I won't say whether or not it's necessarily bored, but we will go into actually whether or not I liked this installment, whether I think that it gets a bad rap because let's get this out of the way. Elephant in the room, Jer, right? Yeah. This has, this is the black sheep of star wars canon uh media it was it Uh, was for a very long time one could argue now that perhaps uh solo is said black sheep although so wow well the 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 production behind solo was um challenged to say the least okay um but i don't know i only saw solo the one time uh but i think that is kind of like a, a slight outlier but hands down of the skywalker saga Mm -hmm. uh, yeah this is this is the black sheep yeah although now you know what now that i'm thinking about it episode nine might be considered the black sheep at this point oh wow okay wow as much as this one because like episode nine from what i've heard i've gathered is like very polarizing this one i don't remember hearing people like oh come on i liked it like i don't remember getting that vibe from anybody (laughs) Right. When this came out, this didn't have defenders, from what I remember. Yeah. But... Yeah. Well, um, but yeah. Before before we officially jump into this ever evolving yeah. uh, format of our of our show, yes. um, I do want to take a, a quick moment to shout out at the top of our show, uh, Mr. Micah McCaw for writing that uh, theme song that we've been using these last few weeks. Uh, We recorded the first few episodes before I even had the idea of uh, him uh, doing a theme song. Um, He's, uh, uh, you know, if you listen to the main show, you've heard him on uh, our show a couple times uh, as a talented musician. And of course he has his own uh, franchise movie podcast, the Macaw podcast universe, which you can listen to a different format from our show a little bit. But, uh, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to thank him for uh, that awesome theme song that he put together for us um, live on the show before we got into everything. But, yes, here we go with The Phantom Menace. Yes, The Phantom Menace. So let's dive in. Let's go. uh, Let's do a quick beat check. 
what happens in the Phantom Menace. So it begins, we get the 20th Century Fox logo, lights go down, the <laughs> screen goes black. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> let's just, let's just, I, I know you're doing this on purpose, aren't you? <laughs> no, this is not one of those things. I'm not the kid in class that like had to do a book report. I was like, Long John Silver's, well, it's not about a short Jim Gold. <laughs> Or I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and like, if you, you know, like, what do you have to give, like, um, like if you didn't read the book for a book report, and you're like, oh, Treasure Island, like, what that Simpsons episode, right. like, Treasure Island's about an island of treasure, right. you know, that is not what I'm doing here, okay? But no, anyway, I, no, continue. I thought what I assumed you were doing is because before we got we started the episode, Mike is like. <laughs> You know, because we've been talking about the format of the show. Like, how should we do? Like, we don't want it to be exactly like 90 under 90, which is why I say it's an ever-evolving uh, format. But I think we've stumbled upon something now. But Mike's like, let's just hit the, you know, the main beats of the movie, you know, at the top. We'll talk about just the main plot points. You know, just, you know, we we're not gonna get super super deep into it. And then the first thing you do is like, so it's the 20th Century Fox logo. <laughs> So How minute this. can you possibly start this? Bush had just taken office. <laughs> oh, we're going to get the history behind. <laughs> um, no, so, but but the reason I bring this up, though, yeah. good, good, good call, Jared. But the reason I bring this up is because I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of a theater goer back in 1999, was it? So Bush had not taken office yet. No. Okay. But that that's neither here nor there. I just yeah. didn't want people to be like, um, excuse me. Wait, 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 dude. Wait, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, the lights go down. We get the Lucasfilms logo. Silence. Big Star Wars. You know, it's coming out. Dun, 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 dun. I can only imagine the theaters applauding. You know, it's back. And then they start reading the description. <laughs> this text crawl kind of explains a lot of this movie's issues. <laughs> because if you read this text crawl and stack it up against the previous one, previous one, what, what's the first line we see in the very first Star Wars movie? The first text crawl we see is, it is a period of civil war. Something you like You go, that. oh shit. Yes. Civil War. We've only seen one of like, those in our history. Yeah, this this text crawl is just like politicians are disputing about trade taxes. Like trade like, taxes. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is, and then they're like, two Jedi Knights are sent to resolve the dispute. I'm like, this was kind of one of those things where like, I read that and I was like, okay, two Jedi Knights. It seems like a waste of resources. Like there's other <laughs> things they could be doing than resolving trade disputes. But well, okay. I mean, to be fair, uh, uh, Obi Wan is an, an apprentice at this point, so right. It, it, it makes sense that he takes long. But yeah, it, 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 well, like I get what you're saying. Yeah. It, according to the text on paper, this yeah. is a little much, guys. Yeah, people are probably sitting there like. This is I don't see there's nary a blaster or lightsaber to be found in this description. Yeah. What is this? But um, so it's all set up. So, yeah, we get this. There's evidently Naboo. They're trying to raise 
trade tariffs on that this planet of Naboo, so but they don't want to pay more. So there's like a standoff, and the trade federation is surrounding the planet. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, they, the two Jedi's, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi and Qui Gon Jinn, who is kind of like what Obi will become. He's like a mentor, master, yes. so to yes. speak, right? A, 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 an official Jedi master who is yes, uh, yeah, gets sent in to resolve this you know stand mexican standoff essentially economic trade mexican standoff and basically what ends up happening is that like the trade federation freaks out he's like what are jedis doing here i don't want to talk to them get rid of them conflict breaks out and essentially the queen of naboo gets caught up in this whole plot to and, you know, it, it seems like it wasn't really about the taxes. You may have to kind of like clear some up for me, but it seems was it more just a power play from the Empire? So because the Empire was manipulated, we learned that Lord Sidious, who is also evidently Palpatine, who is also the Emperor. So it's all the same character, I guess. But yeah. Um, well, there's no empire yet. This is this is a time of peace. So this is pre-empire. Yeah. Okay. The yes, and the republics kind of they always they keep bringing up the republic. And perhaps you can help kind of clear this up. But they keep bringing up how the republic is kind of like fading away. It's in its like final days. Like it's dying basically. Right? Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm. Here we go again with the I'm not uh, the most right. well versed in Star Wars, but yeah, essentially, like you said, there's a they're they're trying to negotiate with the Trade Federation, and uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So so but basically, like so, essentially, Naboo, this one planet, can't get any food or resources. Right. Okay, so what ends up happening is that. Um, the two Jedi escape from talking to the trade Federation and head to Naboo right. to meet up with the queen of Naboo and right. her government. And they end up getting captured by the trade Federation and they, um, they escape so, again. So then, so see, I'm starting. Okay. The more I try to explain the plot of this movie, it's becoming abundantly clear what this movie's problems are more and more. Well, here's the thing. Um, I don't like wars can be started over something simple like, you know, yeah. like, hey, you're withholding from us. What the fuck? Uh -huh. And then it's like, we're going to like, we're not going to deal with this. We're not going to start this. So like on one hand, it's OK, but it's like it, it is it's weak to start this way. Yeah. And yeah. So what happens is they're there. The senator essentially dispatched these two Jedi and he's like, go, go do the negotiation for us. This is small potatoes. You and your little uh, clean-shaven apprentice. Right. It was supposed to be just in and out, a supposed real to be, easy sweep. Yep. Supposed to be a real thing. And the emperor is like, you know, we don't know who, you know, he's not officially the emperor yet, but uh, the cloaked figure is all like, like Lord Sidious. Yeah, he's like, they call him. Yeah. Get rid of him, you know, like. Yeah. And so like they attack them and then they kind of defend themselves they get the hell out of there and they stow away essentially on like a cargo ship or something like that something mm -hmm. that's going down to the planet's surface there's these ships that are going down to like do like a sweep of the planet for some reason it was yeah. basically an invasion of the planet of naboo right so going from a standoff to an invasion of it and they kind of stowed away aboard it and um aboard these ships and 
and yeah, and then the ships are like clearing out the the forest or whatever. You know, it seems like it's a pretty easy job for them to clear this planet out because. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, that's when they run afoul—not a run afoul, but they you know uh, come across Jar Jar. Jar Jar Banks. We'll get into more commentary about him. Um, <laughs> commentary. Bit. Yeah. But so, and then they essentially, I mean, long story short, they end up meeting up with the queen and then they convince her to come with them to a planet of the planet of Coruscant to speak with them to the senator, Senator Palpatine, about what's going on so that they can rescue Naboo, essentially. Right. So they take off, but they learn that there's a problem with their ship. They need parts and they need to refuel. So they end up having to reroute. They have to do a pit stop in Tatooine, which we know, of course, from being Luke Skywalker's home planet. And it turns out it's Anakin Skywalker's home planet, too. And Anakin Skywalker is not yet Darth Vader. Instead, he's this chili bull, haircutted little. I don't know. Wait, wait, who were you doing there for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> who was who was this chili bull, haircutted? Who was this character? It was I don't know. It wasn't really anyone specific. It's probably blended from people subconsciously. I just but like. This, as as we've learned on 90 under 90, if you're going to have a, a character, it should have a, a defined purpose. And and if, oh, okay. if this character's purpose is to talk about uh, a character's hair, uh, I'm okay. All... So so okay. So we're all about this then. Okay. I'm all then for this it. Guy's, he's Barber Bob. Okay. That's this guy. Barber Bob has commentary on the way people wear <laughs> their hair. This boy, because Skywalker's chili bowl haircut, not doing too much for him, but. This kid, Jake Lloyd, a yeah. Columbia College of Chicago uh, uh, student at one point. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, if you thought I felt bad about my degree before. <laughs> I don't know specifically what field he went into. Oh, okay. Come on, to be fair, Columbia is a reputable school. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could blame him or the direction of this movie because everyone's performance is Liam Neeson is pretty much just being Liam Neeson in this movie. I mean, he, he seems pretty on point with what he offers as an Hector. Yeah. Everyone else seems a little off though. Um, Molly Portman, like is she's Oscar nominated, I believe, you know, but she's turning in this real weird, very weird, like wooden performance. And then you've got Ewan McGregor, who, as we all know, is a fantastic, reputable actor who's I don't know what he's doing this whole movie. He's he's I mean, again, I, I think I said this uh, maybe in the last time, to be fair, he is doing you know, he has to be what Alec Guinness who will be uh, he has to be a character who will become Alec Guinness, right. you know? OK, so I, there I is see, that like I, uh, yeah. reverse engineering of vo- like an accent kind of because, you know, he's obviously uh, yeah. uh, Scottish. But Master Yoda told me to be mindful of the future. I'm like, what is this? Like everyone's OK. So here's what it is. Here's the best way I could describe the performances, the wooden performances in this movie. Everyone's reading their dialogue as if they were recording a book on tape. Yeah, there's that error. It's also like they're handing in a high school 
play performance. Like a lot of it feels right. like it a, felt a high school very, theater very, level performance. It felt very table ready. Like it felt yeah. like this is the first day on set and they're just reading the script now. Right. And we can we we can get into later a defense or I just a... want to know it is I I don't want to blame because I know that that the traditional thing there's certain things people like to blame about these movies and you know one the ones I always hear is like uh, uh Jar Jar Binks Jake Lloyd Hayden Christensen those are like the big ones that everyone says are awful but honestly I mean can you really blame the acting because these are not the only from what I'm seeing already these are not the only I won't say poor performances. I'll say strange performances Here's, being turned in. I, I think we'll. I think we could probably get into this uh-huh. later. But like, I, the thing that we always have to remember is that the intent of Star Wars is that they were intended to be kids' family movies. So okay. they're handing in. Yes, the the acting is directed and written as such. Um, and so like the performances that they're giving are kind of matching the tone of what they are instructed to do. I mean, this is like the, the, sure. the prequel trilogy is 100% directed by George Lucas and mm-hmm. no one will argue that George Lucas is a strong director of performers. He, it, it's, it's the thing that he lacks the most as a director. Like anyone will tell you, he basically does not give direction. So in a certain way you can, you have to blame him because he's not directing the performers to give anything differently and you have to imagine that there was a discussion in the beginning of like, well, this is what we're going for, you know, and like, I think even George Lucas at the time was like, you know, the thing that people always forget is that Star Wars are kids movies. Like he he is the person who kind of perpetuates that. It's who directed the Return of the Jedi? Richard Marquand? Marquard? I, okay, I so it wasn't name. George Lucas, but George Lucas directed the first. He directed so. A New Hope uh, because he basically had to. Yeah nobody else would want to make because that. i'm just thinking as you're talking i'm like that might be why empire strikes back feels so much different feels so much more like a movie i don't know well yeah then you get the influence it. of yeah. lawrence kasdan yeah. and the script and then you get you know uh, of course irving directing it but you know like irving uh kirshner um so yeah like it's just a different tone that's being brought to the table yeah so like you know, one could argue that a lot of the performances in this movie are on the same level of, but I want to go get to the go to the Taji station to get some power converters. Oh no, yeah, they are like they that's, totally are. Yeah, with the exception of one part in particular, and that's uh, that's when Jake Lloyd supposedly piloting the at the end the ship to. You know, in the final standoff, he's like, yeah. oh, no. Oh, I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just bad. I mean, there's really no excuse for that aside from the fact that he's a kid. But still, I think this was like this was the age before this was like pre Freddie Highmore. This was before, like, the world knew that kid actors could be good. Like, yeah. this was back when we just <laughs> kind of settled for whatever. You know, yeah, there's it's a it's a weird era for uh, yeah, we for, haven't yet quite embraced that kids can actually do good acting yet. So yeah, 
but also at the same time, like there are, there have been good actors, you know, like Natalie Portman was a child actor, you know, and she's in the professional. Yes. She was like 12, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio was a young actor. So there have been young actors. It really comes down to like some Ryan Gosling was on Goosebumps. Was he now? Say cheese and die. That was his episode. He was the main character. That's uh, that's like, and that's not character. even me just being like, it's Ryan Gosling, and then you watch and it's like a blonde skinny guy, and you're like, oh, that's oh, it's, a good one, Mike. It's, it's literally, not like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually Ryan Gosling. Yeah, one of those, one of those where you're like, Mike, what? <laughs> you're joking, right? Like, that's not. Yeah, Ryan. I was talking to Dan actually the other day. I was like, I read, oh, I, you know, something about like Delta Zim, and then he was like, oh, haha, yeah, John Travolta flubbing the name. And I was like, I read an article about that actually, and he was like, oh, did it have farts in it? And I was like, no, actually, no, it didn't. It was totally. <laughs> He like it was one of the, yeah. it was like that though. Yeah. It's like there's actually no. There's pretense involved for this. <laughs> yeah. the, the, for all the listeners out there, there there's a long standing running quote unquote joke I have where I always say I read an article about someone or something and it always ties back around to farts somehow. Yeah. But it's just a Usually, joke. Mike stumbles upon an article about a certain celebrity. Who, it, it, and it's it always changes. from a source that would never cover something of this. I always specifically point out yeah. it was in the Wall Street like, Journal or the yeah. New York Times. Or... <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so back to the uh, let, let's go through the plot a little bit more. Let's rein it in. Yeah. So they end up uh, doing uh, Anakin's like i race pods and everyone's like what's that and he's like oh i'm a pod racer and they're well, like oh i do want to i want to interject one thing here because this is you know like they they do stumble upon uh it's always the damn hyperdrive like we were saying like it's the hyperdrive that's giving them the problems so that's when they have to go to Watto wants to charge them who's like a junk dealer yeah he wants to charge him a lot of money for it, but they have also, they have like credits or something that don't work. He's like store credit, but no. Yeah, uh, Republic credits don't work in this uh, area in uh, you know the right. this wretched hive of scum and villainy known as uh, Tatooine. And it's uh, kind of interesting because I did not get the impression previously that Tatooine was like the projects. I didn't yeah. get that at all. Yeah, but apparently it is. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, like their money's no good there, so they have to figure out another way. And uh, they, you know, through a conversation with Anakin and uh, <laughs> they, oh, yeah, they leave and then they, you know, they run afoul of Sebulba, who will later come back. Yes. And they have Sebulba. another they have another conversation with Anakin. And, and then this old lady, this is the part that I had to I wrote down because this made me laugh. Uh, she. This older lady tells them, like, oh, you better take cover. There's a sandstorm. Oh. Coming. But the reason yeah. that she says it, she's like, oh, my bones, Annie. The sandstorm's coming. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You feel a sandstorm in your bones? Yeah. Like, that's not how arthritis <laughs> usually works. I always laugh at, or I laughed at this part. And I say always because it took me, like, three attempts to get through this movie because it was hard to watch. Um but every time I would get to her during my subsequent watches, I would always just be like, 
wow, just randomly this character from a live action 1970s Disney movie pops yeah. up. Because it seems like in like the 70s and 80s live action Disney movies were always like lower middle class English slash Irish people. Yeah. And the kids were always <laughs> yeah. filthy looking. Yeah. Like Darby O'Gill in the oh. Mountain of Tiny People or whatever the hell that movie I can't is. stand live action Disney movies from <laughs> yeah. the 70s yeah. or the late 60s. They look terrible. Even. Same thing, yeah. It's... You know what? Fuck Mary Poppins. I said it. <laughs> but yes, this that's what the, does this lady not remind you of somebody who would be in that kind of movie? Honestly, I see her and I'm just like, oh, who are in the who in the crew are you related to? Because you're not. An actress. <laughs> and I was like, so evidently, ta- there's people on Tatooine that have a like Northern Irish dialect. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any. <laughs> I feel a sandstorm in my bones. Get me to take shelter, honey. <laughs> no, take shelter. I'll serve tea and corned beef hash. Oh, call me bones. <laughs> I'll go boil a, boil some soup. So made yeah, out of bones. Anakin. Anyway, <laughs> Anakin just. <laughs> anyway, Anakin anyway. just invites all these strangers into his home without yes. telling his mom ahead of time. Yeah. So that they can take shelter from the yeah, sandstorm. Yeah, basically. But this is a cool family. This was like the kid that, like, Anakin, like, if you ever, like, if Anakin went to school with you when you were growing up and you went to his house, you'd be like, you got a cool house, even though, you know, it's just you and your mom. You people are cool. It's like that vibe. Yeah, it's like the vibe of the apartments that I grew up in. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what? It's cool here. Yeah. You don't you know, have a but, lot, but it's it's what you got is cool, man. But basically, um, so they take shelter and get the idea that Anakin could get the money for them by yeah, winning yeah. tomorrow's big pod race. Mama it's doesn't like the idea of it, but she, you know she knows that he's the mm-hmm. best at doing it, and he's got a gift. And uh, Qui Gon kind of senses that maybe he's got Jedi powers, or he kind of you know he knows that he's got Jedi powers, basically. Yep. And so, yeah, they agree to to do that. Yep. And the design of these pods, it looks like if you took two cherries connected together and just had the compartment where you sat be at that area where the stems connect. Yeah. And then the engines are the cherries. That's like what these things are. And they they ride in front of it's very strange. I I was just going to say it really it it always looks like they're riding them backwards to me. Like it looks like those things should be in the back, but propelling them like they look like rockets. So, yeah, but anyway, but these things are very strange and there's a big race that happens, which I have to admit was pretty. It's pretty sweet. Did people from what you remember when people saw this movie even back then where they like, yeah, but the pod race was sweet though. Yeah. The pod race was always, uh, uh, okay. you know, like that, that it's like, but at the same time, a, a complaint then and now it's like that whole sequence from the moment that they first show like that crowd, like they've arrived. Well, let's mm-hmm. actually, before that, uh, we got to mention that Qui-Gon makes a deal with Watto basically saying that if, uh, Anakin wins the race, 
he gets to be freed from Watto because Watto is a slave owner and his slaves happen to be Anakin and his mother. So he tries to free both of them, but he can only uh, get Anakin in the deal because Qui-Gon knows he wants to take him and he wants to train him to become a Jedi. So then they go to the pod race and like again, yeah, that first crowd shot, like when they first enter that arena to the very end of the race is 15 full minutes of this movie. It's a long sequence. Really? Yes, that is 15 minutes of, I mean, not like 15 straight minutes of just racing, so but it's like an eighth of the movie. Yeah, it's it's That's a long insane. chunk of this movie, and to, and the other thing is that like it doesn't feel like there are stakes, even though there's like this this chaos and these pods are being destroyed all around them, and you know like Sabulba's cheating and he's you know. Uh, Anakin's getting, you know, thrown off the course and everything. It never feels like there's any danger. Do you know why? Because I thought of that too, and I think I figured out why that is. What's that? So, because the whole time Liam Neeson never shows any doubt. If he's supposed to be the leader of this group, the one that everyone's turning to, if he showed doubt, then it'd be like, oh shit, I'm kind of worried now. Never once did he care. Like even like when, when the key, he was like uh, talking to his friends. His friends were like, "Yeah, you never finished a race anyway." And he was like, yeah, "I will tomorrow." And then Queen Amidala's like, "What? You've never finished a race?" And then Liam Neeson's like, "Ha ha, that's all right." And I'm like, <laughs> "Why aren't you more worried about this?" It's true. It is. It's like. <laughs> But but one could argue too that there's a certain amount of cockiness to Qui Gon mm-hmm. that maybe you know like that's just in his character. Yeah, okay. he's so sure of himself that maybe that's a character flaw, you know. But it doesn't come off like that. He doesn't come off in a in a Han Solo esque <laughs> no. way where it's like you're a little too brash and a little too confident for your own yeah. good. That's kind of an issue I have with this movie as well is that I don't understand that character needs. I would like to know a little bit more about what this person's deal is, because at this point, all I know is that he's basically like a method to have the filmmakers be like, hey, remember when Obi-Wan was like this? Right. Well, here's what he was like when he was. But here's look at this guy who's actually just Obi-Wan. You know, it's like, I don't know, feels like he was just a device and not a character, but. But I, yeah, I mean, I, well, f- it, it may feel that way, but we know that there's probably 20 novels written about the, oh, yeah. you know, the backstory of Qui Gon. Yeah. Um, and to be, I honestly would be, I would really like to, I also would like to get more into Qui Gon's history because I like Qui Gon Jinn. Mm-hmm. Um, he, like, I don't mind that i saw a video a long time ago it was like qui-gon is actually the worst jedi ever and it's like all this video evidence of like all these mistakes where it's like his mind trick on Watto doesn't work at all he's like you know right at the beginning (laughs) obi-wan's like i got a bad feeling about this and qui-gon's like i sense nothing and then immediately like droids come out you know like Uh, that kind of shit you know yeah um but yeah like i i too would like to would really like to know a little bit more about Qui-Gon's uh, history and, you know, his backstory without having to, like, bother reading comics and shit like that. 
Um, so, okay. So but anyway, after- so they, they end up, he ends up winning. They end yep. up getting the parts. And as a part of the bet he made, he also gets to free young Anakin Skywalker and take him with him. And um, from there, they end up going to Coruscant and relaying the message and everything like that. And yeah, the trade, uh, the trade never, t- the negotiations never took place. Like they, they sense that some shit's going down. Like yep. we don't know what's going and on. But so they leave. They decide to go back to Naboo. Uh, Queen Amidala. Oh, and by the way, this whole time. Natalie Portman is trying to convince us that, like, Kara Knightley is actually the queen. This whole decoy thing felt really tacked on. Like, it's stupid. Like, yeah, the I don't. Time she's she's pretending she's a hand, handmaiden. All the handmaidens, by the way, because I was looking at all of them trying to spot which one's important. I was like, all the handmaidens are cute, by the way, just <laughs> as a side note. If you watch that movie again, like, look at all, they're all incredibly attractive. But anyway, so the point is that she keeps pretending she's a handmaiden uh-huh. and she has a decoy pretending that she's the queen, which is a flawed, it's so flawed. And there's even parts of this movie where it shows the problem with that plan. Like, there's parts where, like, Qui-Gon's just like, we're doing this, and Padme's like, uh, the Queen wouldn't want that, and he's like, well, the Queen's not here, ha-ha, and I'm like, see, this is the problem with your plan, okay? Yeah, <laughs> like, you have <laughs> no authority right now. Yeah, you, you know, that's the problem, so you I, I cannot intervene. Did it feel, did that feel stupid to you, too? Like, they just threw that in to add twists? I, I, yeah, I, I remember even <laughs> as a kid being like, Why? Like, not like, not like what, like, I wasn't confused. There was like, I get why you do this, but like, why are you doing this in this movie? Is it necessary? I don't know. Yeah. But, um, um, so it's just like, you know, if it's one thing I learned from this movie, it's that if you throw some mind makeup on Natalie Portman and Keira Knightley, they look kind of alike. Yeah, they look very similar. Um, but, uh, anyway, so. The, the point is, so the queen ends up going back with them to Naboo. And when they get to Naboo, they understand that, you know, the Trade Federation wants to recapture them. So they stage this big assault in order to sneak in, basically, and take down the Trade Federation. Yeah, we, and, well, we got to we gotta back up a little bit here because we... Oh, because of the Supreme Chancellor thing? Yeah, because, uh, yeah. yeah, we... we when we get to Coruscant, we meet Chancellor Valorum. He's the guy who's like in charge of the the current stamp. Yeah. yeah, which is you know he's fine. He's doing a fine job in this movie for the I mean, little bit that he has. There's a lot of big actors that will pop up in small parts here and there in these yeah. movies. I've noticed. So right. Um, the Queen goes through about five outfits in two minutes of screen time, yes. and then. Uh, for no reason at all. Like it makes, it actually makes no sense. Like she's wearing an outfit and then she goes inside and changes into a different outfit and then has to rechange to go to the Senate or something like that. Yeah. Really fucking weird. Yeah. It's very strange. Either very that strange. or she like tried on a full outfit and she's like, I'm not feeling this one. It's time to change it. Yeah. And what's with this voice? Why is she talking like that? And it's weird because, okay. So it's funny. Because when Kira Knightley puts on the makeup, she talks like that. When Natalie Portman puts on the makeup, she talks like that. But when Natalie Portman doesn't have the makeup on, she's just like, I am Padme. But then she puts the makeup on and she's just like, we will unite our forces. And I'm like, 
I guess that's to uh, make it easier for decoys to impersonate her. <laughs> She's like, look, I'm going to make it as easy as humanly possible for you. You look vaguely like me. We're going to throw on the mime makeup. And if you talk like this, then there'll be no feeling whatsoever. No doubts yes. that you are I me. I guess. Or. Or. Really bad acting decision. could <laughs> also be the reason for it. Um, but anyway, I mean, it's just it's a very odd choice. I mean, I suppose your logic makes sense, but. It doesn't quite make enough sense to convince me that that was the intention all along. Right. So, um, but anyway, so, the whole point is, so they, they end up basically, and then, so Chancellor Valorum is gone and then they end up electing Senator Palpatine. Yeah. Pal- Palpatine's essentially playing some 3d chess here and he's trying to convince yeah. the queen that the chancellor is weak and he's not going to stand up for Naboo, even though, the reality of this is that he is in charge of the Trade Federation. He is the one doing all of this to Naboo, and he's pretending like, oh, they're doing this to us, you know? So yeah, he's it's the all one, a ploy. Because he's also Lord Sidious, right. the same person. Yeah. Who ends so, up being yeah, known as what we know as the Emperor. Right, know. and in an effort to, you know, create the Empire that will so rise. Lord Sidious literally just an alias he gave himself to go undercover with? I'm sure there's a I'm sure at one point he had okay. a master who gave him, okay. you know, the name. Um, but, yeah, he, he he convinces the queen we need to get the chancellor out of here and elect somebody who can uh, really get shit done for us. Mm-hmm. And then uh, so the queen calls for a vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum. And then he yeah, sits down like, like about my God. Yeah, she does look like she's gonna cry a lot in that yeah. scene. Like, and it's <laughs> I don't know but why. It, it's confusing because, yeah. like, I don't understand why. Like, anyway. does she know subconsciously that she has to do this, but that Palpatine's bent? Like, does she, is that it? Because no, if I that's it, I would love to have some context to that. What you know? she what she later says is that she uh she realizes that the Republic is kind of broken, you know, like what I was talking about before. Yeah. They, they talk of the whole time, the whole movie about how the Republic is dying and stuff like that. Yeah. I I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like she's upset because she realizes she has to do this stuff and doesn't trust Palpatine or something like that. I think it's more so just like, this is all bullshit and none of this is worth any of like, look, look like we're not getting anything done here. Like this is all a broken system is essentially how the queen feels. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but, but, um, but yeah, as a result of the vote of no confidence, that's when Palpatine is elected to or is nominated to uh, to become the, the next chancellor. chancellor. There's yeah. a few people they they mention Bail Organa, which is uh, Leia's father. So like he's really? a, yeah, how he's do you a, know that. How do I know that? Because I know a little bit more about <laughs> Star Wars lore. I know that her I name. I just was... think it's. I think it's very funny that at the beginning you were like earlier in the episode you were like, well, as you know, I'm not the biggest connoisseur on, and then you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, this one side character they mentioned in passing. Yeah, they mentioned Bail's father, and I'm like, uh, well, I, we do meet him also in, okay. the, in the upcoming okay. two movies. So oh, okay. Uh, okay. as a result of that, I also know you know who they're referencing. <laughs> yeah, if I just heard that name, I'd be like, who they're who are they mentioning? Why mention anyone else? <laughs> Just nonsense name for nobody. Um, and then, yeah, that's when they go. 
back to uh, back to Naboo. And... Or that's that's when we have the Jedi Council meeting, actually. Mm-hmm. And that's when we meet. Yeah. That's when Sam Jackson finally pops up in this bitch. The Jedi Council meeting, yeah, where he's just being Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. And What's his character? I didn't even know his character's name. Mace Windu. Mace Windu, because he's just being Sam. Like this whole, it's just yeah. like they're 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 like um uh, the Sith have returned. He's like, no, nah, I think if the Sith came back, we'd know about it. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Game why are you giving us the Samuel L. Jackson eyes? Doing Samuel L. Jackson here? Because that's what you <laughs> hire him for, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's there. He's being Sam. Uh, Liam Neeson's being Liam Neeson. Yes. Yoda's Same being thing with Liam Yoda. Neeson. Same problem. He's just being Liam Neeson. Yeah. Um, and then there's this weird computer-generated Yoda. The CG in this movie is way too smooth. Well, this, is, this, this Yoda is after the fact. This was a puppet in the original movie. Oh, uh, it was? Yeah. Okay. And then for the final Blu-ray release, he went back and he made him digital just to match the second two the next yeah the next two movies he's digital it's not great though you know the vibe you know the vibe i got looking at this yoda and looking at jar jar in these movies like the music video to i'm blue with that little like alien that's like do you remember the song no by eiffel 65 no i don't know what the fuck you're talking about it's a it's a music video from a uh late 90s techno band that was big in the late 90s on like mtv and it was very early cg so if that joke landed for any of you at home you're welcome great i hope that i hope it did honestly i'm gonna send you the music video later and i look forward to looking at the screenshot of it and going nah not for me (laughs) (laughs) come on no i'll I'll watch it Not only did you say you were going to do that, but you, 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 like, I'll, I'm looking forward to looking at the screenshot and saying no. Like, I'm looking forward to dissing what you're, but anyway, so. smart ass. Yeah. So uh, they end up, um, basically the battle's won for now. Mm-hmm. But we haven't gotten into Darth Maul. Darth Maul is the character in this movie that marketing executives cream themselves over oh my god and uh, i mean it's an amazing look like that that character i feel about darth maul the way people feel about boba fett let me put it that way that's a that's actually a pretty fair analysis honestly because he showed you know he doesn't have a lot of altogether screen time in the movie Mm -hmm. he's you know, spoiler alert, he's gone at the end of this movie. Yep. No, he will return to the Star Wars universe in one of the animated series we will eventually get around to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, he's super, but I think he proves himself way more than Boba Fett right. ever did in the original trilogy, you know? Like, right. The, the, but he has the, about, about the same amount of screen time, maybe slightly more. Yeah. Not that much more dialogue, just no, a few yeah. sentences. Totally. But yeah, he a, just um his body language, like there's this really the lightsaber scene in this because when they're 
when the big battle is going on in Naboo to distract all the guards. And yeah, we're we're getting up to that. So let's just cover yeah. what 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 happens up to there. They get back to Naboo, uh-huh. uh, and a conversation that she has with Jar Jar. Jar Jar reveals that the Gungans, his species, uh, who they visited earlier, who lived in the underground city, um, they have a grand army, and they kind of he kind of has a conversation. He's like, I think you don't like us because we have this big army, and like, you know, like I I don't think our people are that much different. And so the queen kind of has this moment like of realization, and essentially they go to uh, Boss Nass, which is that big, fat Gungan who has that... Yeah. Yeah. And basically the Gungans and the people of Naboo make peace, basically. Yeah. And they're they, like, we they, can live, we can share this planet. Yeah, but first, we got to fucking fight an army. Like, we got... We yeah. got droids on the way the trade federation has created a blockade to naboo mm-hmm. and they're like they want to fight now so and they're gonna while yeah emperor or i'm gonna call him emperor palpatine from now on because we all know what's coming so i'm yeah. gonna call him emperor palpatine sure but meanwhile emperor palpatine has been tracking their movements and sends darth maul down to naboo to intercept yeah. them right and that's where we get this amazing shot. It's just this incredible moment. It's my favorite part of the movie, hands down. When they're on land in battle, and you see just from the back of the screen, Darth Maul's like speeder or whatever he's on, just zoom right into frame. Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. And he just like, boom, he's like, I'm here, bitches. I'm like, here to fuck everyone's day up. It's just a really cool entrance. Yeah, yeah from earlier when they were leaving uh, Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that really later, quick during, fight that yeah. they have. And then, he's and then like, later, though, during this invasion, when Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan and Padme Amidala, um, when they are in the hangar area, you know mm-hmm. how the doors open? Yeah. The double doors? Yeah. Darth Maul's there. He's just kind of standing there, and he's like ready to go yeah and so you get this lightsaber battle that's it's a two-on-one you've got Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi fighting Darth Maul because Darth Maul this reveal I remember this when I remember seeing this trailer when the, the trailer first hit and they had revealed in the trailer the double lightsaber thing where it comes out and I remember there were so many people in the theater just be like, oh my God. Yeah. Just, like just freaking out. Like, like their minds were blown. Like yeah. somebody just invented time travel and they <laughs> saw that they're reacting more to that than yeah. the time travel. <laughs> but that, that was a really cool thing. And then, uh, Qui-Gon dies. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's there's four things happening here. There's the mm-hmm. the ground battle with the Gungans versus the the mm-hmm. giant droid battle, uh, which is just filler. Yeah, that's I mean, like filler. they say, I mean, it's that's literally the kind a of distraction. Thing they put into like cut between, but it's just action sequence. Generic. Right. You could just basically put generic action sequence there. Right. So that's what's that's happening on the ground, which it like they say, it's even it's a distraction to yeah. get people out of the city. Exactly. The queen is on foot. They have to get her up there so that they can uh, they they need to get her to the what's his name the the guy the Trade Federation dude um, 
undetected because they don't want somebody to capture Vice her. Viceroy. Yeah, the Viceroy. That's right. Mm-hmm. So they're on foot, and then that's when Darth Maul shows up, and that's when Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan were like, okay, you guys go this way, we'll go this way. Yep. Meanwhile, Anakin is sitting in a ship, like some battleship, because Qui-Gon told him, stay there, don't move. And so he's literally staying there, and then that fucking takes mm-hmm. off into space in a little while. So then that's when you got four things happening, and they're intercutting. Yeah. And, and, and that's like I was saying yeah. with Jedi, like that's what I love about the end of Jedi, where you're you're uh-huh. going back and forth from all these things, and I think that's what carries over into this one, and that's why I think yeah. the the second like the ending of this movie is you know it, is very exciting for everything that's happened before it, and as boring as everything is, that lightsaber battle like you know is amazing. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about as far as what caused this movie to be boring, because there's so much more action that I was expecting throughout the whole thing. Uh-huh. Um, but so we'll talk more about that. But yeah, so basically and then there's that like the, that thing with the timed like force field sensors. Yeah, that's that pretty cool. Shutting. And like when they're shut. Darth Maul is strutting his shit like a professional wrestler. He's yeah. just like going back and forth. <laughs> He's total him. heel. It's so cool. Like, and it's just great. And then, you know, they, they come, they, you know, Qui-Gon dies. And then um, it's really cool because Ewan McGregor, you know, Obi-Wan, almost falls down the hole. But he grabs onto something, uses the force to grab the uh, lightsaber. And we had seen him pull this move earlier in the movie. He has figured out a way to apply the force to his jumping mechanics. They can, yeah, it's kind of a vault. (laughs) Okay. So Obi-Wan Kenobi can fly basically. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. He can fly. I mean, he can jump extremely high. Yeah, he's he's Superman before they officially gave him flight, where he could just yes. leap over tall buildings. It's the Superman equivalent of training wheels. Like, it simulates the experience, but you're in no real danger. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so he, like, and then he flips over him and just swipes him because his lightsaber fell down. He ends up, I don't know if this is going to be an important point, but he does not have his own lightsaber any longer. Right. He has Qui-Gon's lightsaber. I don't know if that matters. They say that it was, I don't know if it's like the wands in Harry Potter, Jer, call out to future episodes, foreshadowing. You'll learn about that. (laughs) But the wands are specific to each wizard. They have them custom made. No one else can use them less to just mess up. It doesn't work. But uh, so is that a thing with lightsabers or not really? Um, well, I mean, everybody has their own. Every A Jedi constructs their own lightsaber. And right. typically what we see throughout the series is if a Jedi has their lightsaber destroyed, then they, they make their own new one. I mean, that's what happened mm-hmm. with Luke. His lightsaber was destroyed in Empire or he lost it. And then yeah. Jedi, he's like, you know, Darth is like, I see you've constructed a new lightsaber. Uh, I think the green one, yeah. which is. And what's interesting is that Obi-Wan's was blue, like Luke's originally was, and Luke's was originally Anakin's, right. supposedly. Right. Um, but Anakin's became red at some point, we know. Well, um, I mean, when he when he became a, an official member of the Sith yeah. is when he constructs a new lightsaber. Okay. Where they're like, but you they, only get one color choice here. Red. Red. But it's not. It's not straight red. 
It's got hints of orange in it, too. Like an emergency light. Look, it looks it looks cool, okay? I like it. <laughs> um but uh Um so then uh, saying, Oh yeah, but 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 so Anakin then right. and Obi Wan so Obi-Wan originally had the blue lighter and then Anakin's going to eventually have a blue lighter like that. Yeah. So I'm just, the whole point is I'm noticing that the blue and green, it's identical to the color schemes that Luke went through. Yeah. Obi-Wan's was blue. Qui-Gon's was green, just like Luke's. I don't yeah. know if that matters. Although, although his lightsaber will become blue again by the next movie. So it's Luke's. only, no, uh, Obi-Wan's. Oh, Obi-Wan's is going to be blue. So what did he, pro- he probably turned in Qui-Gon's lightsaber to the like Jedi Council <laughs> or something and then created his own again, I guess. But now I've heard spoilers. I did research one thing. I have heard that Mr. Mace Windu's lightsaber is purple. That's which right. Which sounds very cool. And, and I it, think that would be my lightsaber. I, I, I when Caitlin and I went to uh, Disney World last time, <laughs> I went to Galaxy's uh-huh. Edge. I built my own lightsaber, and I uh-huh. did, I chose a purple uh, blade. Nice. Yeah. So Very I got a cool. I got a, a purple bladed light. I got a, a lightsaber right behind me, actually, a purple blade lightsaber. Do you know what mine would be? Honestly, real talk. What's that? No hot pink. Hot How cool pink. would that look glowing? Like hey, that '80s hot pink, you uh-huh. know? Hey man, I, I I'm a, a a fan of uh, the black and hot pink color combination. Yeah, so, yeah right. Do like, you remember those markers that changed color and you rubbed the other marker oh, on? Oh, dude, yep. Yeah. Those were bad. The, ba- the black and the pink, the hot pink one. Mm-hmm. Damn good combo. Um, but so the, the, the lightsaber, then I guess it doesn't matter. But he ends up with a blue one again, anyhow. You're saying. I'm saying it's a it's a temporary use of a green lightsaber, but it yeah. it is interesting parallel that you know, I see what and you're saying. And this is an extremely bittersweet ending. I would say this ending is almost more bittersweet than Empire Strikes Back. Well, uh, let's see. Anakin uh manages to he's in that ship, and R2 is in that ship with him. We haven't mentioned R2. We also didn't uh-huh. mention C3PO, but we can circle back around Basically, later. Basically, uh, R2-D2 happened to be a maintenance droid Yeah. aboard one of the ships. There. He just ended up kind of tagging along. It was happening. He, he was just a damn good droid, and then they yeah. were like, well, we're going to bring this guy with us, and he gets yep. put into that ship with Anakin, and then they managed mm-hmm. to blow up the control ship for the droid army, so the droid army goes He's down. He's able the gun to gets... bring back generators, shields. He can basically fix anything. He can fix like anything. So. He can. He's got force powers. He managed to blow up the one mm-hmm. thing that they all needed to blow up, but none of the other pilots could blow up. And then I gotta say, R two D two is becoming like one of my top three favorite Star Wars characters. I mean, I don't think I, I think most people would probably agree with you. Like R two D two is the only consistently cool character yeah. across. I mean, even Han Solo has a couple moments where I'm like, that's kind of stupid, but yeah. And somehow they gave R two D two a personality. Somehow, it's yeah. Just beeps and loops. But you know, know what? They... That's also like a, a Muppet kind of a thing, where it's mm-hmm. like. You're projecting all of that. Any attitude that you think R2-D2 has uh-huh. either is either inferred because of what C-3PO says 
or it's you projecting that onto him just based on the way those beeps and boops sound. So it's like, like how, how we do that with our pets. Like they have yeah. personalities to us because we spend so much time to them. So we imbue our own traits onto right. them. Yep. Or just traits that we think would be funny for them, for them to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that's how they, they win essentially the battle. Um, <laughs> as he lays dying, Qui-Gon's like, you need to train Anakin. And Obi-Wan's like, hey, hey man, that's kind of a shitty thing to ask me while you're dying. But okay, sure, I guess I'll train Anakin. That? No, it's just kind of like, if, in my opinion, like, hey, man, I just got this title, man. I, I don't know that I can train this guy. Like, <laughs> that's unfair to ask that of me. I know it's you're dying. It's kind of but... like, I don't know. Yeah. I know I, I had an example, but it's very weird. I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole. So anyway, yeah. so I but I do get what you're saying uh, in terms of it being bittersweet because uh, Palpatine is elected the new chancellor, mm-hmm. which means that he is rising to power just as was part of his plan. Uh, the Gungans and the Naboo people are, you know, they have all made peace together. We have like a peace ceremony, just like the end of uh, A New Hope. <laughs> There is only one Star Wars movie so far that hasn't ended with some kind of like party parade shenanigans thing. Yeah, Empire. Empire. <laughs> yeah. Does every other Star Wars movie end with a la 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 like with I, streamers and shit? I don't remember. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I'm episode gonna, nine. I'm gonna is, note that because if I don't remember how many end in a party, but hey, you know. Sometimes it's a good way to end a party. You, yeah. you you listen to some music, you wave to your ghost friends. It's cool, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Your ghost friends who are somehow different than they were 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, uh, because we need the consistency. So um, Obi-Wan is uh, made an official Jedi by Yoda. Um, they grant him the title of a Jedi Knight, but they don't want him to train uh anakin they sense why is the council so up in arms about this because they sense the fear that anakin like he has the he goes through those tests to test his jedi powers and they sense that he has too much fear and confusion about his feelings that's that's fine why don't they just why aren't they just straight up about then that then to qui-gon because every excuse they give, they're like, oh, no, you already have an apprentice. You can't train a second one. It's like, oh, yeah, it's in the code. Uh, very well. Well, then we'll just let's go ahead and promote Obi-Wan to Jedi and I'll train this guy. Oh, no, you can't do that. Because, like, if they don't just come out and say it, why are they trying That's true. to, like... I, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't know why they don't reveal it. Because they do say it to, you know, they tell Anakin, like, I sense the fear in you, and yeah. that can lead to the dark side. So yeah. I don't see why they don't just tell. Yeah, it's true. Why don't yeah. you tell it? Like, hey, man, that guy's going down the wrong path. If we train him, he's going to yeah. become more powerful. And he's going to fuck this all up. No, we're not going to do that. Well, so here's my question. The whole thing is that he's the one. The one is going to bring balance to the force. Yeah. So is the whole idea that he's going to start this whole evil thing. Is that the balance they're talking about? So that I the think force has something to balance it out. Good you, versus bad. I, I think there's different interpretations of it. If you ask me, because one could also argue like he does help bring balance to the force because mm-hmm. he has to go through all of that stuff to create Luke who brings, it is kind of weird though. Like why do you need to bring balance? Like if, if this is a time 
where the Republic still exists. I mean, it's not the old Republic. Like, the, like there is an era of Star Wars called the Old Republic, which is really like high Jedi, you know, times. And so, like, yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know. Why don't they just? Why? What is it? What is he bringing balance to? Like, everything seems fine. Maybe that's as, the balance. As, as far Maybe as he has to bring in conflict. Maybe that's the whole thing. Is that like he? They're destined to have that that conflict because some people do you ever hear that theory that war and conflict is balance yeah that without that things fall apart maybe it's like that i don't know yeah i mean i think that's certainly a valid interpretation based yeah. on the events of the saga um but yeah because as far as the jedi council is concerned right now there are no sith like they don't think that the sith is still around they're surprised when they when they, you know, happen upon Darth Sorry. Maul, they're like, that's fine. I had a wedgie. Oh, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they're surprised when they're like, Qui-Gon's like, yeah, I came across a dude, he's definitely a Sith. And they're like, oh, fuck, like, that's not good. There can't be, like, we, there are no right. Sith. We got rid of them fuckers. Because they say that they're extinct. Just like, interestingly, a nice parallel. Just like in A New Hope, they said that Jedi were extinct. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. So in this one, the Sith are supposedly extinct, but yeah, it's all, so it's all. So are we are we to believe that Palpatine and Darth Maul are the only Sith remaining, or is this to indicate that there's actually a whole lot of Sith out there that they never knew about? Um, that's a good question. One that will be somewhat answered with the next one, but also kind of raises questions as a result. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so that's all, all I right. can say about that. But yeah, that's the movie, and like I, I, I kind of agree, it is a little bit of a bittersweet ending. I, it's not as bittersweet as yeah. Empire, where we're like, what the fuck's gonna happen? Like, no, see, I think this is more bittersweet. Empire, you're kind of there is that kind of release where you see Luke relax in the hospital. They're fixing his hand. You're like, that's good. Leia's with him. They know that Han and uh, Lando and everyone, they're they're not with them, but they're out there going to continue to work on accomplishing their goals. Yeah, he found out Darth was his, was his father, and that was a bummer, but it's kind of like, okay, you know, we're, we're on a good path here. This one, on the other hand, seems like we were on a good path, and now there's a lot of bad shit that's going to start happening. And the problem is a lot of these people, a good number of them don't even realize it. There are, um, there, there are theories, um, fan theories that, uh, I believe Jar Jar, that some people will think that Jar Jar is a Sith in that his I whole heard that Jar Jar was a Jedi. Yeah, see, I, I've heard, I mean, you could, like, there's, I'm sorry, I'm probably a thousand fan theories about every different yeah. character. But yeah, I've heard that thing where, it's like, because of the events of, because of Jar Jar's meddling and interference in the entire plot of this, like, he guides them to Anakin, essentially, and, like, guides them to, uh, like, every decision that eventually leads to the rise of the Empire, and that continues into the next movie a little bit. So, yeah, there there's people who think that he's, you know, Sith. I don't know. I don't buy it. But, <laughs> like but anyway, that is... Secretly, like, his whole personality is right. just completely... Yeah. yeah. 
but that's the that's the plot of the movie. It, it, uh, that's the plot. We yes. talked about a lot of that. Uh, we, we touched now, upon it. What? Let me ask you this. Yeah. So before this came out, were you a big Star Wars fan? I. When you were a kid. No, not really. In fact, my dad tried to get me into Star Wars when I was about seven years old. He described Star Wars to me, and I think I even mentioned this on the main show. And the characters that I imagined in my head looked very different from what I ended up seeing on the screen. And that disappointed me very much. Like, in my head, Chewbacca looked kind of like a big poodle. Like, he had, like, <laughs> he had like pom-poms, but for whatever reason, he had, like, a birdo beak to him. Like, birdo from Mario, like, that rounded, like, that's how I imagined Chewbacca. And when I saw, like, the shaggy, brown-coated Chewbacca, I was like, that's not, oh, that's not what I imagined. Then what he is just Birdo's mouth like? Uh, is it like Yoshi's? No, it's like that. It's basically like an open cylinder kind of. It's like a snout that has like a big oh, hole. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a klaxon horn. Like, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. That's that's what I imagined my Chewbacca like being, and that's like terrifying. And he, oh, no, it was like it was more cute in my head. <laughs> And then he mentioned, like, he's like, oh, yeah, and then I got this character, Jabba the Hutt. He's, like, this big, giant blob. And I imagined, like, a 12-foot, like, very, like, perfectly spherical, like, almost like uh, Violet when she's turned into a blueberry in the uh-huh. original Willy Wonka, where she's just this perfect sphere. Uh-huh. Like, that's kind of what I imagined a big Jabba oh. to be like. Okay, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a villain, I think it's like a... Deadpool villain or a X-Men villain that's like that, that I can't think of the name of. But anyway, continue. Yeah, so anyway, that's, um, I think it's named Blob. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not named Blob. Uh, there is a character named Blob. Yeah, I don't think that's who I'm thinking of, though. I but yeah, so when yeah. my dad it tried to introduce me to Star Wars, I, I wasn't having it. It didn't look like what I imagined in my head, and therefore I didn't want any part of it. I, I always found it to be boring. I did try mm-hmm. a couple times as a child. And then I moved to Tinley and met Nick, and Nick was a Star Wars fan, and that was around the time that the uh, the movies, the original trilogy was being re-released. So we went and saw those movies. I was like, okay, this is now my chance to get into Star Wars. Somebody else I know is kind of uh, into it. That you know, these movies are out now anyway. It gives me an excuse to go to the movies with our dad. So like, yeah, let's let's get into it. And if you and if Nick likes something and you're friends with Nick, <laughs> you're gonna start liking it, whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, you like Star Wars? Come on, no, go great. see a New Hope. Come on, you'll love it. <laughs> we always make him way more Italian sounding than he it's actually. It's not talks. that, but that's basically the. That's, come on, oh, it's great, you know. No, yeah, he uh, <laughs> he kind of got me into it, and then yeah, I remember you know when the prequels came out, like when Episode One came out. My God, like I can't think of a time since then that a movie permeated like every aspect of like culture, like culture, and just like the whole summer, like. You know, I feel like movie, like big movies don't have the same kind of fast mm-hmm. food tie-ins that they used to. I mean, this like McDonald's, Taco Bell, Burger King, like everyone had some kind of Star Wars merchandise. You kept seeing those that shot of Darth Maul in like the trailers on TV and everything. The Pepsi cans like had all the characters on them. Nick was collecting those cans throughout the summer. So it was oh, just like, like uh, commercials were like 
pods or pod racers are coming through the drive through and shit. Yeah, like, like that. that kind of shit. <laughs> Hat, no toys. I, like I said, those those cans. I remember uh, Dan was in Little League at the time. Uh-huh. And right at that uh, field uh, by the old Central. And uh, so I used to go to that, you know, uh, little food, you know, the concession stand. Yeah, the little Bulldogs concession thing. Yeah, so there was all, you know, it was just like every single, like every couple days I would see, you know, those Pepsi cans and just Star Wars something. So, <laughs> yeah. But, and it was just like, I, I, I can only remember like two times in my life. It was that and maybe three. Both of the Joel Schumacher Batman movies had major, yeah, like major, like Batman Forever was huge. The other Batman's too. Batman Returns had a huge promotional. Yeah, but that got that got taken away right away because buried quick because of how much of a completely disturbing mondo grotesque movie that is. Awesome. Great film. Yeah. (laughs) so yeah, like Batman Forever and then Batman and Robin and Star Wars Episode One were like three huge summers where you couldn't mm-hmm. escape those movies. The the merchandise was everywhere. Yep. Oh man, if there was a fast food proprietor that sold some kind of cold slushy type drink, Batman and Robin came out. Yeah. You bet your ass, Mr. Freeze is promoting that shit. And he probably had a color changing cup. Like, yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter where it was. Yeah, this absolutely. Summer, come on down to Taco Bell and chill. Like, you know, like. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I. I we, we've talked about the plot of the movie, and as ridiculous as it is, I still like this movie. I'm a fan of the prequel trilogy. And you liked it at first, too? Yeah, I liked it at first, okay. too. I Because I was also young enough to be like. Uh, and had minimal Star Wars experience that I, I wasn't invested in Star Wars to the point where I could have been disappointed by this movie. Like mm-hmm. this movie, if it was, you know, colorful and there was action and, and the theater was cool, uh, you know, then I, I was I was happy going to see okay. this. Movie. I saw it a couple times that summer. The first time that we saw it, I whether it was an accident or just to be a dick, my dad spoiled Darth Maul's death for a bunch of people waiting to get into the theater. Like we were walking past a crowd of people who were all in line, and my dad said to us, "Like I can't believe they killed Darth Maul so quickly." And like I remember <sighs> the disappointment, uh, <laughs> literal disappointment on people's faces. Like, are you kidding me? This guy just spoiled the movie for me. And again, I I think I pointed out to him, like, Dad, you just. And I think it was the one time we were like, "Oh fuck!" Like I didn't realize that I just did that. Like, oh shit. My my sister's uh, old boyfriend, this is back in the 90s, used to be a ticket taker at a movie theater. And uh, when Scream came out, he was like whispering the wrong twist to people. Like it wasn't the actual thing that happened, but he'd tear the ticket and be like, it was David Arquette. And people would be like, what? And like they'd get into the theater and like realize they'd think the movie was ruined, but it wasn't. <laughs> um. <clears throat> but uh yeah no so my reaction here having experience experiencing these now post hype but knowing this movie's baggage that it comes with it um I, I i don't think i actually don't think it's that awful of uh 
I think it's I think it's an okay premise executed poorly. I don't think any part of it is great, or dare I, think, I even say good. You know, I I, I was trying okay. to I was trying to like as I was watching this, I was trying to think like what could be done differently to make it you know more what people wanted. Like I don't I I genuinely don't know. I don't think you needed to make Anakin such a young kid, and I think that was a strategy you know to get children interested in star wars i i I think even if he was a young kid they should have done something with him where maybe he was really really like quiet kept to himself super introverted didn't like to talk a lot things like that the way that this kid that jake lloyd is playing this is this is gonna be okay listen I don't care. I'm not going to be politically correct here, okay? I'm just going to say what this kid reminds me of, okay? Because that's exactly what he reminds me of. His behaviors are that of an autistic child. Okay. <laughs> in 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 what way? In every way. Like <laughs> in the every way, way the way the way he talks, his cadence, his tone, his lack of rational emotion from one moment to another. It's I mean, I think I think then the I think the the slightly better way of saying that is that George Lucas directs him almost like (laughs) I don't know or maybe he's just a bad actor. What else was he in? I mean, no, look, I think this movie's biggest crime. I mean, among its biggest crimes are just like it's very hokey, the acting, the performance. And that's the problem. I don't think here's the thing. I don't think people wanted a hokey movie. No, I, I'm no people didn't want a hokey movie. Case in point, episode seven yeah. is like what everybody wants from a Star Wars movie after the original trilogy. You know, like in terms of it delivered on everybody's expectations and everything. Mm-hmm. And there are criticisms for the movie. You know, I don't know. Like for me, I, mean, I just didn't I, care. Uh-huh. Any, See, like, I, I can remember the marketing, at least, of this movie, because I remember that summer you were talking about. Yeah. And I can remember the way this movie was marketed and the posters. And I remember that there was a f- very striking poster. I think it's famous, like, as being the quintessential Phantom Menace poster of Jake Lloyd, young Anakin, just a, a you know, a slightly long shot from him. He's just holding his like little backpack and walking with a long shadow cast on him, Darth Vader in the background behind him. Right. And I think that that whole essence that it captures of this just darkness brewing shit is going to go down and we, we know how bad it's going to get and we're going to see it all start to culminate. Mm-hmm. None of that feeling was brought to the table at all. We just get this goofy fucking kid who's just precocious mm-hmm. and this like weird mascotty CG thing. I don't think that I don't think it was necessarily bad stuff. I just don't think that any of it was what anyone wanted or needed at that point from a revival after all this time. Yeah. Um I mean, to be fair, like a lot of people, you know, 
You know, he, he didn't he, play he, up the fact that this is Anakin. Like when we first see him, he's just like, "Hey, I'm Anakin." Right. Like, there's no. But the, but you no have to remember, you know, that it's it's Episode One, so we know that there are two more coming that are going to yeah. flesh out the story. The problem is, I, I think the problem becomes more apparent when you look at the prequel trilogy as a whole. Because you could look at that trilogy and be like, okay, well, starting it with Anakin mm-hmm. so young, based on where it goes, it feels like you don't have enough time. Like, the problem with Revenge of the Sith is that there are so many plot points that need to get covered or at least touched upon to set up what happens in that everybody knows in the original trilogy. So, by the you know, you get halfway through Revenge of the Sith and you're like, Jesus, we have a lot to wrap up here really quickly. And the, the I think that's what makes this movie more of a fault and stand out more as a fault is because if you would have started this a little bit further along in Anakin's personal development, and like if Anakin had been closer to Luke Skywalker's age, I think it would have helped sell everything a little bit more because he could already be in that a little bit of angst, you know? Mm-hmm. And he could do something that would convince Qui-Gon that he needs to be trained. Like, that's what it really should be is like, like, what if they had I know it's tattooing. I know it's fiction. But what if they had some kind of Star Wars equivalent to like he's like in trouble with like like youth detention. He got kicked out of whatever school they have on tattooing. I don't know if they have school, but like they made him just like a lost fucking kid. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like a goofy. I mean, I think the intent is that this kid is. Um, I think this, he's supposed to be so innocent. He's supposed to be like so one side of the scale. No, like, I mean, well, I think I, I think the I, I, like you said, it's in the execution because he lives a slave's life. Like he's a child who spends his days like in a mechanic shop fixing things because he is a slave he lives in like the yeah. The he sure terrible... doesn't act like it though. When Watto's like, "Hey, clear off the shelves, so then you can go home." He's like, "Yay!" I'm Yippee! like, I'm getting no sense that this is a life of turmoil. Like his and... house is rad. Yeah, he's got and... like computers and like robots and shit he's all over. He's literally him. built a friend. Yeah, C-3PO like... does show up in this movie. Uh, yeah, you know, he's briefly, like but... naked. Yeah, incomplete. Uh, Without with no casings on him, so mm-hmm. you know I. You don't need him in there. It's literally just an excuse to fan service. Yeah, you you need you want to include C three PO, so you well, make you have it... to give C three PO some kind of origin story at some point. Yeah. And I think that George Lucas was just like, that's minor enough that if I don't take care of that now, I'm gonna forget. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, people are going to be like, well, where did C-3PO come from? And I'm going to be like, I don't know. You could have so introduced evidently... C-3PO like, in the third movie, at the beginning of the third movie, and it would have been fine. Like, Yeah, but so evidently Darth Vader built C-3PO. Yeah. Evidently, we're led to believe, supposedly. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean... I guess um, it's to show that he, you know, he can fix anything, he can build anything. He's very skilled and talented, but at the same time, you're like kind of building a butler for your slave life. Like, yeah, I don't it's understand a protocol that. Droid to help his mom. 
because his mom's a single mom. Because evidently, so, okay, here's the other thing. Some biblical shit. Like, she's like, I became pregnant, but there's no father. I just yeah. became pregnant. So there's a virgin pregnancy in the Star Wars lore, apparently, that I was unaware of. Uh, it it gets touched upon in episode three. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, it as of right now, it is uh, an immaculate conception. Okay. But um, yeah, it, it kind of it kind yeah. of gets explained. Not that the explanation is much more satisfying than immaculate conception. I like, mm-hmm. you know, you'll find out, but yeah. So I have a question then. Yeah. Who is the guy that's Princess Leia's dad? Bale Organa. He is. So he nailed Queen Amidala. Wait. No. How did he be no. Princess Leia's dad? Because Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker are twins. How could he be Princess Leia's dad? Uh, well, you never heard of adoption? Oh, so you'll find out. He's you, you... her adopted father, not yes. biological father. Okay. You know what? I mean, I'll even say it because they 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 do kind of mention it in the original trilogy. Uh-huh. Uh, Luke and Leia were separated at birth, mm-hmm. and uh, Leia was raised by a man named Bail Organa. Who's a uh, high-ranking government something? Yeah, like maybe a, like a senator from. Um, well, uh, she obviously rose to royalty of some sort. So. Right. So yeah, I don't know if he's a king or like. Yeah. But no, but she was an elected queen or something. I don't know. Like that's the other thing too is that Queen Amidala is technically an elected queen. An elected queen. So which I, I which I don't princess understand. Leia an elected princess. How's that yeah. work? I don't I don't understand any kind of elected royalty. That doesn't make sense to yeah. me. Um but uh so yeah, there's there's that, which is evidently a thing that, you know, so Darth Vader has no father, supposedly, but anyway, it just came th- this whole storyline of Anakin at this age played wrong for me, like everything. Yeah. Like, from the whole point of Qui-Gon Jinn making a whole big hullabaloo about how the Jedi Council would have noticed this shit, like, this behavior, and they would have started working with him immediately. Um, especially because, evidently, there's this thing called Mitochlorians, which Midi-chlorians, are... Midi-chlorians, yeah. which are something in, like, the blood that tells you how much force you have in you, which basically can dictate whether or not you're a Jedi, essentially. Yeah, um, that's a that's a point of contention for, uh, I think, people that when they saw this movie is because the original trilogy leads you to believe that anyone can learn the force. Anyone can uh, be in touch with this skill if you have the right training. And then this movie kind of implies, well, you have to have a certain amount of midi-chlorians in your blood in order to become a Jedi. But I don't think that's really what it is. I think it's what they're trying to say is like, look, everyone's got midi-chlorians, but this dude is like way off the charts. So he is like super well, in touch with the Force. Yeah, I, I, I think of it as more like um, the, the impression I got was that anybody can learn the Force, but only those with a certain number of midi-chlorians or above can master it. Like, you need a certain level to be a Jedi, to be able to master whatever. Right. That's the impression I got. But his, evidently, uh, Anakin's, are over 20,000, which is supposedly more than Yoda. 
Yeah, uh, supposedly. So I don't know how I me, feel about that if, personally. Like, Darth Vader I wish that I, I would like it. I would like for Yoda to have twenty thousand and one. Then you know, just have one yeah. more than Darth Vader. Um, but so um, he's supposedly just like incredibly gifted, and Qui Gon Jinn made a point of saying that the Jedi Council would have eaten you up immediately and taken you under their wing. Yet. I don't think that his impression of the Jedi Council is entirely accurate because when he shows up there with him in tow, they're kind of like, no, I'm touching this guy. (laughs) And again, I think that's uh, Qui-Gon's cockiness where he's just like, oh, yeah, they're totally going to train this guy because I'm suggesting Mm -hmm. it and I know better. And I I, I, trust me, I know this. And then they're like, no. And he's like, what the fuck? I know everything. And they're like, no, man, you kind of (laughs) don't. Wait, his, his response is, what the fuck? Wait, what the everything. fuck? I know everything. Uh, no, nah, man, we know a little bit more than you. And he's like, you suck. I'm going to do it anyway. And they're like, uh, no. And he's like, but I want to. And they're like, nuh-uh. And it just goes back and forth like that for 20 minutes. <laughs> what I really want to. That's the director's cut. Yeah. It's 20 extra minutes of them. <laughs> In the Jedi Council scene, because George Lucas didn't have the balls to call cut, and Qui Gon and Liam Neeson was just like, "This time I'm gonna go for it. I'm, I'm just gonna get in there." Oh my god! <laughs> I swallowed, I swallowed wrong as you were saying that, and then it made me laugh at the same time. Man. But uh, anything else? I mean, we well, let's 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 hit the character. Like, how do you feel about Jar Jar as a character? I mean, if you thought C three PO was annoying, how do you? Find- I, excuse me, I can handle Jar Jar better than C three PO. Yeah, you know what I like about it, and it, this is the first mm-hmm. time I've ever felt this, and I, it struck me as like, you know, what's really hard to do what's is that? create an entire dialect. That is still like English speaking, but has their own like the way that the Gungans talk with the Misa and the Yusa. Like it may be stupid. It may sound stupid, but like he created an entire way of speaking that like how many other like languages like that are there in movies and stuff, you know, where it's like English, but it's also very distinctly not English. Yeah. Yeah, it's um I, I'm giving I'm giving George Lucas a little bit of credit for that. Wasn't there a big racial conspiracy about Jar Jar? I guess I don't know what it like is. Like they, and, everyone thought that he was like making fun of Jamaican people, and the things on his heads were his head was supposed to be dreads, and he was supposed oh, to like. Is that what? That's people, why in that scene, well, look, there's episode a where they show a clip of the Phantom Menace. Uh-huh. Um, it shows like Jar Jar speaking like Rasta, and he has like a bong in his hand. Oh, really? No, <laughs> I. As a child, I never picked up on that. I never understood if they were trying to go for anything racial. I have heard that too, but I also like every time I heard that, I never chose to pursue like learn more information about what people thought because I was like, I don't want to uh, start thinking of it that way. Yeah. So you just ruined Jar Jar a little bit more for me, um, which is fine. <laughs> Uh, but Jar Jar was fine. But no, I mean, like I, from I, what I, I've heard, he's relegated to literally a background character here on out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like not, literally he shows up in the background. 
Yeah, he's in he's in episode two briefly, and I don't think he shows up in episode three at any point. <laughs> um, you got uh, C-3PO's in here. We got R2-D2. Jabba the Hutt shows up mm-hmm. at one point, which is fine. Like, his, his, it makes sense. Yeah, it would make sense for yeah. where they are and what they're doing. So when they refer to the Huts as being gangsters controlling Tatooine, are Huts a specific race or a family name? I think it's like I don't know. Like the only it came off like a family name. It's true. Crime family. Uh, The I I we don't. I mean, I'm sure there is an answer for this if if we went to Wikipedia, but I'm not going Mm -hmm. to do that. as presented in the movie, yeah, the huts seem like uh, the species that Jabba is and that they just okay. happen to be in charge of this. Because there's only one more. It's like he's got a lady hut with him up there in the balcony. But like beyond well, that, you I never see another one. Well, I think that we're supposed to – it was supposed to be implied to us that there's more that we don't see, like a clan of these things you know or what? if it was – I I don't – I I've – I've looked up research and I'm still trying to figure it out because I I've seen conflicting points, but there was the animated clone wars movie before the series came out. The, the 3d CG animated clone wars movie. And in that movie, it features Jabba the Hutt and his son who I think is named like stinky or something like that. Something really stupid. I thought you were going to say sunglasses. No. <laughs> Sunglasses hot. Oh. That's amusing. Uh, it's really not. And you know what? <laughs> I was about to bring up a point that was going to make me sound comedically snobbish. But me bringing up that point now would just be very ironic. <laughs> because <laughs> I was, I'm, I'll bring it up. I was going to say, like, so I caught viewing of Spaceballs on TV the other day mm-hmm. and watched some of it. And as I'm sitting down to watch, I was like looking at the Rotten Tomato score. I was like, well, it's pretty, you know, Mel Brooks is supposedly like comedic genius. Like I'm going to take a look at this. And like, I got to the point where like, I saw that their take on job of the hut was a big slice of pizza called pizza, the hut. And I was like, Okay, now I remember why I don't watch Mel Brooks, but that doesn't make a lot of sense because that's pretty much in line with my humor. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it doesn't. I really got no place to be snobby about. You know that. what it is? It's it's kind of that uh, you watch it the was, movie. Uh huh. Is like you're watching the movie and then you're like, you should be better than me, Mel. Like <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how you feel. You're supposed like, to be. You're supposed to be better than I am. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, oh, this is where, like, I could have come up with that. I don't need you, movie, to feed me those lines. I'm capable of coming up with that my own. But, um, no, so let me ask you this before we wrap up. Yeah. And this is something I'm going to, I think we should we should make a staple. Yeah. Is like um, whenever we're in, like, a franchise or something like that. So how about a little preview for next time? Uh, I have heard conflicting reports on the Clone Wars. Some people say it is the best of the prequel trilogy. Some say it's the worst. What do you think? Hmm. What's your take on that one? Before what do we I dive think? into it next I, time? 
I will say this. I like I, I have not seen it in a long time, uh-huh. but I was always a, def- uh, a defender of Attack of the Clones. And, oh, I called it the Clone Wars. I meant to say Attack of the Clones. Right. Yeah. Um, Attack of the Clones. I, for me, uh, what it does for me is unlocks um, – what's the best way of saying this? It it, it uh, lights a fire in the teenage romantic in me, if you will. Okay. So, like – you know, I remember being in high school, you know, like or whenever I was, you know, the movie came out in 2002. So I was 16-ish mm-hmm. or so. I remember falling in love. Oh, uh, God. I don't want to reveal too much about what the like the plot of the movie. OK, we but, can talk uh, more about it. Well, but no, here's what I'll I say. I kind of wanted like your overall ranking of that one. What do you like that this, one? This is what I'll say. I like the movie. I liked the movie. I. I have liked the movie. I don't know how I'll feel about it when I watch it this time. And I was always a fan of there's a romance in the movie that um I don't know, maybe because it's, you know, Star Wars and it's a boy movie, you know, uh-huh. it's quote unquote boy movie. It it does something for me where I'm just like, this is cheesy as hell. Um, but the sixteen year old romantic in me loves this movie. Is that is this the movie where I'm going to see the clip I've always seen of floating slices of CGI pear, yes. like floating into Natalie Portman's mouth? Oh, yes. this is going to be bad. Okay. And look, it, I'm telling you right now, it is cheesy with a capital cheese. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I'm like. I love it. I it love resonated her. with you. It clicked with you. Doesn't matter you know why. It just did. I, I fell in love with Natalie Portman while watching this movie for the first time. When I was when I was fifteen, sixteen years Bro. old, I I fell in love with Natalie Portman. The, okay, I realize she probably wasn't of the age during the Phantom Menace, so I'm gonna sound incredibly creepy. But listen, I'm younger than Jean Reno when The Professional came out. <laughs> Look, you were you were fourteen. When Natalie Portman was in beautiful episode one, beautiful girl. Sometimes, you know, you don't see someone in a while because I haven't seen a lot of stuff with her recently and you forget. But I was watching her on screen. I was like, that's a pretty lady. Natalie Portman (laughs) has always been and will always be on my uh, celebrity safe list. Nice. So who's who's got let's say this is a Patreon episode. It's getting their money's worth. What's uh. (laughs) What's uh, Caitlin's list? What's Caitlin's list? Um, yeah. uh, uh, David Tennant is definitely on that list. Okay. Ooh, and I, she likes the whole like uh, nerdy birdie professor look. Okay. I don't I don't know who else is still on the list. I know that David Tennant would probably still be on the list, but I know like she was a big fan of Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, she's a uh, a Paul Rudd fan, so like. Please, who's not? Right, He's you know. A delight. I don't yeah. know if he, I don't know if he would be on the list, but I do know David Tennant is is on the list and and uh, would remain on the list, just like Natalie Portman will always be on my list. But I, I don't. Have, re- I don't have like two others. Like if I try to like think about, I'd have to really stop and like look at a long list of actresses and or, and be like, okay, I guess these two other people would be on my list, but Natalie Portman's the only one. I'm like, no, she's got a special place on my list. I just recently saw a movie with Paul Rudd I'd never seen before. Our Idiot Brother. Have you ever seen that? 
I remember the movie. Like I, I kind of, I, I vaguely remember the movie, but no, I've never seen it. It's a surprisingly poignant movie. Okay. Like it's, it's got some, but he's just. This is like you know how Paul Rudd has the ability to be very lovable. Oh like yeah. Just his. This is like him. That's like him doing that cranked to like a hundred and one. Like. Like. It's. I don't know. Very, like, very, very like. Bobby Newport is pretty damn adorable and lovable. He's okay. It's right. If Bobby Newport was unsuccessful and a stoner. Okay. You got this guy. <laughs> All right. Maybe I'll give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. He's got a Jesus beard the whole movie. So and um, long hair okay. to match. Now I'm remembering the cover of the yeah. movie now too. <laughs> Who else is in that one? Is that um Um so it's him and then uh Zoe Deschanel and um Steve Coogan and Yep, yep, I remember the yep. picture. I'm remembering it now. And two other actresses that I know their names, but they're I'm blanking right now. I'm spacing on them, but for sure. Yeah. But yeah, just a cool little like indie comedy. I was like on, I was trolling Hulu the other day in between calls at work. And I was like, I'm going to watch this. I'm a, a little Paul Rudd goes a long way. I was having a bummer night, but yeah, fixed it right up. Uh, Paul, I'll pick you up. Yeah. All right. So, um, just uh, thanks so much once again for tuning in. And this has been French time, uh, franchise first time, <laughs> franchise first timers. Uh, I'm Mike Clapoff. I'm Jeremy Eden. And I have never seen Star Wars episode two, Attack of the Clones. Oh.